0: Snuff
1: Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. Tom Tilly with you. It has been a very dramatic month in the story of Kanye West. The thing about it, me and Adidas is like, I could literally say anti-Semitic and they can't drop me.
2: Adidas has now officially severed ties with Kanye West. He
1: was going on these anti-Semitic rants in broad daylight, and it still took a couple weeks for these companies mm-hmm. to cut ties. But once they did, the list was long and the amount of money he's losing is absolutely huge. Kanye West says himself that it cost $2 billion in one day. So is this the end of Kanye's career? In this episode of The Briefing, we'll get a Jewish perspective on Kanye from John Safran.
3: It's not totally surprising because uh, there's a specific like contour to anti-Semitism that's
1: easy to jump on board with and sometimes hard to fight back against. John Safran on Kanye, that is our briefing. First, today's headlines with Katrina Blowers. It is Monday the 31st of October.
0: Well, what a tragic story to kick off uh, Halloween with. South Korea is in mourning after more than 150 people died in a Halloween crowd crush. Now, this now includes at least one Australian, and it's believed two other Aussies are also injured in hospital.
1: Yeah, what a horrifying story. Around 100,000 people packing these narrow streets in Seoul. They're in a popular part of town called Itaiwan, and the crowds just grew so dense that people got trapped and then started panicking. There's so many people. What are you going to do with 10 people? Yeah. And I had to like turn around and I told the crowd, you can't come this way. People are dying.
0: That is Nathan Taverniti, an Australian who lost his friend in the crush. Authorities say most of those hurt or killed were in their late teens or early 20s.
1: And investigators there are still trying to work out exactly what caused it. Um, authorities say the crowd hadn't been unusually large, so they hadn't put on extra security, although it was the biggest event they'd had since pandemic restrictions ended.
0: Twitter has been hit by a trolling campaign. Isn't that just Twitter every day? (laughs) (laughs) I'm following Elon Musk's takeover. So more than 50,000 tweets from 300 accounts have bombarded the platform with hateful content, according to Twitter's head of safety and integrity, Yol Roth.
1: So he says it's a deliberate attempt to make users think the platform has dropped or weakened its content policies after Musk's takeover, um, which they haven't done yet. He was planning to do that, though, and that may include reinstating Donald Trump's account.
0: Yeah, he's he's talking about some pretty wild ideas such as, you know, giving Twitter a rating so you can choose which version of Twitter you want, kind of like choosing, say, a PG movie or an R-plus movie. You can choose which version of Twitter you want to see and what kind of language you want to see. And also kind of like video game style spats between verified users, you know, going head to head in moderated debates, which could get a little bit wild, depending on which version of Twitter you've subscribed to.
1: Right. So people could choose to have the version of Twitter where people use the N-word all the time, which one report well, has, noted has happened over the weekend. There was a research group that told the Washington Post the use of that slur has increased by nearly 500%.
0: The thing is, though all of this is up in the air because Elon Musk has pretty much sacked everybody who was on the board of Twitter. The most senior executives and more staff are expected to go.
1: Yeah. So he's gotten rid of the chief financial officer, the chief executive officer and the head of legal affairs. So some big names are out the door. Um, I read over the weekend that the head of legal affairs was literally marched out of the building. Uh, He's expected to cut more costs from Twitter as well. So Yeah, it's going to be a wild ride in that office.
0: The man who broke into the home of US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and violently attacked her husband with a hammer is facing attempted murder charges.
1: So 82-year-old Paul Pelosi underwent surgery over the weekend for a fractured skull and injuries to his hands and arms. Nancy Pelosi wasn't there. She was in Washington. And the attacker's online profile has revealed he was a supporter of QAnon. The chant was... Where's Nancy?
3: Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? This is despicable. There's no place in America. There's too much violence, political violence.
0: That's Joe Biden there. And if you think that chant, Where's Nancy, sounded familiar, that's because it echoed down the halls of the Capitol during the insurrection in January last year. Rioters were chanting, Where's Nancy, when they mm. searched through the halls for the speaker.
1: Yeah, so this attack has raised fears of more political violence ahead of the midterm elections on November 8th. So they'll decide who controls the House of Representatives and the Senate. And there's calls for extra security for politicians and their families in the wake of this attack.
0: In Perth, a candlelight vigil will be held tonight for teenager Cassius Turvey, whose death is being grieved around the country. He's just not my loss, he's everyone's loss. <laughs> Even people that didn't know him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's his mother there. So the 15-year-old was left with serious injuries after being allegedly attacked with a metal pole in the eastern Perth suburb of Middleswan just over a week ago. And then he died 10 days later in hospital.
0: A 21-year-old man has since faced court charged with murder. He's also facing serious charges for allegedly attacking a 13-year-old boy in the same incident. There is a GoFundMe page. I think in these uh, instances, people just want to do something. So this is something you can do. Um, that has been set up to support his family. It has now raised around half a million dollars.
1: And there's a new COVID strain. Uh, It's called XBB and it's been reported in Victoria and New South Wales originally discovered in Singapore, believed to be more resistant to vaccines and antibodies from previous infections, but not more virulent.
0: Yeah, so this is because people who are fully vaccinated are less likely to become seriously ill if they contract this new strain. Uh, Pfizer and Moderna's new bivalent vaccines are effective at fighting off this new strain too. So, you know, I think in the past when we've had new strains in Australia, we've kind of freaked out a little bit or been a bit concerned. But... But immunologists and um, experts in the field are saying 80% of Australians have now had COVID uh, and have had at least one shot. So this puts us in a good place, even though it never feels good having a new strain of COVID on your doorstep.
1: Well, when I saw this story, it sort of um, took me back to those, those strange times of the last two years where seeing a headline like this would have sent you into a panic, you know, as though it might have been about to upend your life, cancelled trips or work or another lockdown. But (laughs) um, thankfully we have the luxury, as you said, of so many people having had COVID or or had the vaccine that new strains like this aren't going to have the impact on our lives that they once did. All right, Katrina, catch you again tomorrow. Uh, Rhianna Patrick's about to join me as we look at what's happened to Kanye West. Kanye West, or Yay has been the master of controversy over the years. He's loved to shock. But in the last month, his attacks on Jewish people have brought some serious consequences. Rihanna Patrick, do you want to give us a, a quick summary of what he's said and done?
2: The trouble really began when he wore a White Lives Matter shirt at Paris Fashion Week. A number of big names took issue with the slogan, and it's also a hashtag used by white supremacists. Then it was really Kanye and the way he responded to that criticism where the story really goes south. And on Instagram, he told P. Diddy he was controlled by Jewish people. On Twitter, he said he was going, quote, DEF CON 3 on Jewish people, a reference to the U.S. military DEF CON defense readiness system, so metaphorically preparing for war. That tweet was then deleted. He was suspended from Twitter. He was also suspended from Instagram then he doubled down on his anti-Semitic commentary on several podcasts, most of which were not published. Uh, One of those podcasts, he voiced his conspiracy theory about George Floyd's death, claiming he died of a fentanyl overdose. So there's been a lot.
1: Yeah, and that's just some of it, Um, just to give you a sense of what's happened. The consequences for that have been huge. A huge list of businesses have walked away from him. You'll hear more about which businesses have cut ties in this interview with John Safran. You can put it this way, he's no longer a billionaire. His music still is readily available on Spotify and Apple though and on Thursday last week he was allowed back onto Instagram and he posted a response to an op-ed from a Jewish media executive and he said that he'd lost $2 billion in one day but he's still alive and quote, I love you, this is love speech, the money is not who I am, the people... Is who I am.
2: So let's get a Jewish perspective on this bin fire. John Safran is an author, comedian, and wrote an interesting story where he discovered many of the so-called Jewish bankers Kanye was railing against were actually Greek Orthodox.
1: John, thank you so much for joining us. What do you make of Kanye's descent into anti-Semitism and the response to it? It's not totally surprising because uh, there's a specific like
3: contour, to anti-Semitism that's easy to jump on board with and sometimes hard to uh, fight back against. And by that I mean when, when people are trying to get you to hate on Muslim people or black people, they tell you they're inferior. So, you know, punching down. So you go, uh, if you're kind of attuned to these sorts of things, you go, oh, my God, they're punching down and that's awful. That's what racism is. And then um, with anti-Semitism, it's often, um, oh, no, geez, they're powerful and rich. So, you know, superior. So (laughs) then it becomes this mind mess of their punching up against the more powerful and, like, that's what we're told to do. You know, if you're a good lefty, you punch up. And so how's that racism if you're punching up? And so the very same stereotype that, like, softened the path to, uh, you know, the most significant genocide of the last century can just be seen
1: as not racism at all because all you're doing is punching up as more powerful. What does it feel like as a Jewish person to hear those kind of statements?
3: It's kind of awful, but the, the thing that makes it better is when you know that people who are uh, stand up for you. And I guess that's why... Uh, in some ways it's kind of more frustrating when people don't stand up for you than the actual racism in the first place. Often they do stand up for you if it's like real clear cut, you know, like it's like neo-Nazis or something. People will be on your side then. And then if there's just any complexity to it, like any, like I'm actually quite impressed that Kanye didn't get a free pass, although he probably did it did a bit for, for a while just because you know, he's a black dude and not a white dude or whatever. It's like, oh, I guess he was just so over the top and there was no way around it. He didn't really code it in any way. Often it's coded in in some ways to make it sort of harder for people to stand up for you.
2: You mentioned there that there has been a lot of pushback from very high-profile people pushing back against this, but you also went down a bit of a rabbit hole with some of these year comments. What did you find out in in having a look at some of the comments that he'd made and maybe some of the confusion he had about some of the accusations and some of the, you know, these anti-Semitic comments he was making against some of the people.
3: Oh yeah, I just thought it was kind of funny (laughs) because I I, I decided to write about this, had this real grievance with the Chase Morgan Bank, the uh, largest bank in America, and was saying that they weren't on his side and the bank was trying to keep him down and because they were more on the side of Adidas or something. I don't know. And anyway, he was just blaming Jewish bankers for his miserable life. And so I was writing an article and I decided to just look at the bios on on the Chase Morgan website about these Jewish bankers and <laughs> it's the first guy Kanye is whining about is like he's talking about, he goes, oh, I'm a very pr- proud member of the Greek Orthodox community. And I'm, I hold this role at my local Greek Orthodox church. So he wasn't I'm Jewish like, at all? Kanye's first Jewish
1: banker was Greek Orthodox Christian. John, you talked before about um, really watching how much people stand up to anti-Semitism, And that for you is almost a more important thing than the offensive comments in the first place. These consequences seem to be fairly significant. His talent agency, CAA, dropped him, his record label Def Jam, Footlockers has gone, Balenciaga, Gap, people leaving his sports agency, Adidas with the Yeezy partnership, which is huge. Um, a documentary about him has been bin. Do you think these are the right consequences for what, for what he's done? Like for instance, and me
3: personally, I, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, he has to be his name must be blotted out. He must be ripped off Spotify or whatever. Like, I I mean, that's not my personal thing. And, like, with Adidas, that seems to be fairly consistent with what would happen to someone who said something about, you know, Muslim people or gay people or black people or whatever. So, you know, I I think it's really hard to sort of go, oh, my God, this, God, you can't say anything about the Jews. (laughs) And it's like, well, you know, like that kind of thing. He's their mascot, their brand and stuff like that. So yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, I I think with other things, it would just be, from my point of view, just consistent with how other things would be treated.
2: That's really important, John, I think what you've mentioned, but I also wonder about uh, the effect that these comments have had. And it seems that there have been not only those anti-Semitic groups that have captured this, but also white supremacists on the other hand also picking up on his comments and kind of running with them. And I mean, what do you think the effect of what he said has had on just what we're seeing in terms of, I guess, putting Jewish people particularly in harm's way, you know, and violence, possible violence being perpetrated against them?
3: It's really dangerous, this sort of like normalisation of Dehumanizing people, and because Jews have such a small population, where 0.2% of the population of the world, um, compared with like Christians who are like 30%, and uh, Muslims 25%, and so yeah, there's just uh, I don't know what 0.2%, I think it might be like 15 million that's that's the whole world, and which means that you can easily go through life not really bumping into too many Jews, which means. People can fill in the blanks, you know, who, with bad intentions, and people mightn't an, an know Jewish people enough to sort of go, oh, "Hang on, that makes no sense." I sometimes get that just by Australians who don't know me personally but know of me or whatever. I'll, I'll occasionally see a comment online where so, someone's laying into. I remember years ago, I was, there was some website or something. Someone's laying into the Jews and the banks and blah blah blah, and there was this commentator who said, "Oh, listen, I really kind of." Agree with you, I sort of, I want to go, but I really like John Safran. <laughs> and then, so I was like the thin blue line or whatever, the thin red line in between, you know, society breaking down. So too with like every other form of trying to rile up hatred. It's always like this weaponized in this sort of nasty way to try to alienate and shun and Jews. And, and so that, that, that's where it gets kind of messy. But I would say it's just messy in the way that everything's messy. Just do what you do with asylum seekers uh, when you're discussing that, or do what you do when you're discussing Muslim Australians or Aboriginal Australians or whatever. You don't. You don't. A lot of lefties don't seem to be like their mind doesn't collapse <laughs> when those things come up. They correctly work out a way to sort of
1: show allyship and um, stand with them. So, John, how do you reconcile um, Kanye West's behaviour in the last month with? his mental health struggle. Um, He was diagnosed with bipolar in 2016. Um, That year, he even went into a hospital for treatment. And his behavior does fit with the pattern of a manic episode, but obviously doesn't excuse the behavior, but potentially helps us understand it. How How do you consider that? I think there's two layers to it.
3: One is that, of course, that should be discussed in the same way as if someone was to say to me, you know, these white supremacists when they were, like, hassling Muslims and stuff like that in Australia, like, I I found out a lot of them come from fatherless families or something. Like, let's have a talk about Mm. that. It's like, yeah, sure, totally. (laughs) And that's interesting and that's a layer to it. I think it's just you should go through, like, the first layer, which is, you know, in this case just the old school anti-Semitism and make sure you're kind of really addressing that. So yeah, there's this weird crossover. There's like, there's a real contour between like mental health and anti-Semitism.
2: What do you think his legacy is after all of this? And I mean, what's that Wikipedia blurb looking like (laughs) at this point?
3: I don't know. Like uh, he's probably, you know, still got good tunes or whatever, but it is a a good warning for all of us that sort of like, God, talk about um, fall from grace. Imagine like Imagine being Kanye West and, you know, within a week, you go from being able to call up anyone and get to any meeting and
1: then being escorted out of the Skechers sneaker factory. That was John Safran, and we really appreciate his time. And to show our appreciation, we'd like to encourage you to buy one of his books, put them in someone's Christmas stocking. Um, He's got a great one called Depends What You Mean by Extremis, which was kind of a showed how ludicrous the far right um, is in Australia. There's also a book called Puff Piece, which is a a really, really good analysis of the tobacco industry.
2: This was so interesting for me, Tom, because I've often thought about the way that culturally the US really pushes back against anti-Semitic comments, and rightfully so. But I've always been intrigued about why then those sort of other comments, particularly racist comments, not so much...
1: Mm. Do you wish people stood up just as strongly when other, other populations are denigrated?
2: I think it has to be across the board for sure.
1: Tomorrow on The Briefing, we're finding out why your pay hasn't been going up. Listener.